Thank you for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I've been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast is about my experience behind the story, my experience doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 35, where we break the cycle of talking about English dude musicians to talk about French dude musicians. Bienvenue. Before we get into it, you can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon, although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the best audio quality. We're only just realizing how many of you tune in regularly, and we really appreciate it. In this episode, I'm going to talk about my myriad of experiences interviewing and hanging around with the newly defunct Daft Punk. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with the Daft Punk fellows over 20 years from 1997 to 2017. Let me preface by saying two things. One, I've interviewed the Daft Punk boys numerous times, every time for a print magazine, and I haven't yet found any of those articles in my wall of magazines. I have a chronological system, but it's still very difficult to locate the exact magazine from years ago. Two, I am not at all upset about Daft Punk breaking up, which felt like sacrilege when they announced it a few weeks back as I felt there was a global mourning happening. My friends at Soma Quality Recordings released the first Daft Punk records back in 1993, but I didn't come across them until everyone else did in 1997, and I was not impressed. Honestly, I think I just didn't get it. All my friends in England were going absolutely nuts for the debut album Homework, and I was just quiet about it. I did my first interview with Daft Punk for that album during the Winter Music Conference in Miami that year. From what I had read about them to prepare for the interview, they were very tense about being compared to the Chemical Brothers and very adamant about separating themselves from those guys. It seemed like a lazy comparison to me, something the British press would come up with, as Daft Punk don't sound anything like the Chemical Brothers. But, like I said, they were still quite tense about the whole thing. I was interviewing them at one of the hotels in South Beach, Miami, and I was waiting for them in the lobby. While I was sitting there on one of those very large ottomans, my friend Robbie Hardkiss showed up, clearly still awake from the night before, and flung himself on me. He proceeded to hump me, nothing sexual, more like an untrained puppy, and I was pushing him off both because it was weird but more because I didn't want the Daft Punk guys to show up and for me to be in that position. They did show up mid-hump, which didn't start things on the best footing for me. I have since forgiven Robbie. He remembers nothing of this incident, and we've talked about it. At that point, Thomas and Guiman of Daft Punk were not very comfortable with speaking English. I understand French, but I didn't tell them that because I wanted to make sure they weren't saying anything negative about me first. 
After a while into our interview, I could see that they were struggling, constantly asking each other in French how to say things in English. I finally told them that they could say the words or sentences they didn't know in French as I did understand them, but not so well that we could do the whole interview in French. I don't think they believed me at the time. Later that night, I was at the Delano Hotel, and I saw Thomas across the lobby, and I was shouting Bungleter over and over again. He came over to see what I wanted, but I told him I was just yelling his name because he had a cool-sounding name. Thomas's father is a songwriter, and he was behind some of the big disco hits of the 70s that I grew up with, like D.I.S.C.O. and Cuba, which I was very aware of. If you watch the Daft Punk documentary Unchained, there are quite a few details about Thomas's family history in music and how that impacted Daft Punk's very smart business decisions when it came to the music industry. They came to Los Angeles soon after I met them in Miami to perform the album. After the show, we were hanging out at the bar with those guys once again speaking French and not believing that I could understand them. Since we weren't in interview mode, I would just respond to everything they were asking each other in French in English. And they finally accepted that I did actually understand them. Next time I saw Thomas, we were on our way to the Playboy Mansion. This was for a party in conjunction with Dimitri from Paris's compilation, A Night at the Playboy Mansion in 2000. They were shuttling us from a parking lot in another area altogether to the Playboy Mansion, and Thomas and his girlfriend Elodie were on my shuttle. I had a little chat with him, but not for long as he was with his girl, whom he is now married to, and they have two children. The following year, I interviewed both Thomas and Guiman again for their album Discovery. I don't remember who it was for, and I haven't located the article yet. I don't recall much about this interview except that it happened at the Virgin Records offices in Beverly Hills and that there is photographic evidence of it. It's a terrible picture of the three of us, but at the same time, it's a classic. Even with all these interviews, I still wasn't a committed fan of Daft Punk, and I wasn't upset about not interviewing them for the next album, Human After All. I was at Coachella for the unveiling of their famous pyramid, but I wasn't at the tent for their set. I did an interview with Thomas for their second live album, Alive 2007, the following year. Both that album and that interview changed my views on Daft Punk a lot. For one thing, listening to Alive 2007 and hearing their songs from the first three studio albums, I realized I actually loved all of those songs, even if I didn't on first listen. I told Toma this during our interview about how I was always five years behind with their music and that I only appreciated it in retrospect. Toma, whose English had improved so much it was mind-blowing, told me he would rather have fans like me who liked their music in the long run than those who liked it immediately but without longevity. Thomas was spending most of his time with his family here in Los Angeles as his wife is an actress and he was involved in film, hence his marked improvement in speaking English. The other thing I noticed is that he was a lot looser and more confident and didn't have the sharp chip on his shoulder of 10 years prior. It was so much easier to talk to him and have an actual conversation without them constantly being on edge. When he realized that I hadn't seen the Pyramid Show and that I lived in Los Angeles, Thomas invited me to experience it at the Vegas Festival in Las Vegas. 
It took him about 90 seconds to convince me. I went with the plan to just go to the festival and turn around and come right back home, fly in, fly out. I had a few friends who were Vegas regulars who were going, music fans rather than music industry. Plus, I knew the PR for the festival, so it was a really good time. It wasn't Vegas like it has been in recent years. It was very low-key with no one in the VIP area and everyone on the festival grounds dancing, including me. I was able to be in the photo pit for the start of their set, but it was more fun on the field with everyone else. And I'm really glad I got to experience the pyramid. It was something to behold. Daft Punk ruined everything in 2008 with Electrama, their terrible film that made me want to gouge my eyes out. It was so boring and pointless. They're so good at visuals. Their previous films, Daft and Interstellar, were exceptional. I don't know what the hell Electrama was. I saw those characters from that film show up again in the farewell movie Daft Punk posted on their Facebook, and they annoyed me all over again. I also saw Thomas and Guiman walking around Coachella in 2013 when Phoenix was headlining, but they didn't join them on stage, although they had at Madison Square Garden three years prior. Plus, their final album, Random Access Memories, was getting ready to be released, and after their legendary performance the last time they were at Coachella, everyone was expecting a surprise something, but nothing happened. The last time I saw Toma, we bumped into him at Maxfield, an art gallery in West Hollywood in 2017, where Mr. Hudson was performing. I left everyone I was with to say hi to him, his wife, and Cedric, who I remembered as their tour manager. Lawrence and everyone I was with asked where I ran off to, and I said to say hi to Toma from Daft Punk, which none of them realized. It's handy when your public face is a helmet. One of my friends I was with at Maxfield is DJ and producer Zen Freeman, who is now in a partnership with Cedric and his brother Nicolas in their furniture design company, Hervé Manufacturier, which I highly recommend checking out. For one thing, their stuff is absolutely gorgeous. For another thing, Thomas does a bunch of photography for them. Thomas and Guiman have always been close with Cedric and very supportive of him, eventually making him their creative director. Their support continues, even if Daft Punk does not. And that's my snapshot of my experiences with Daft Punk, which are a lot more than I realized, even if I haven't yet unearthed my interviews. As I said, I'm not exactly torn up about their breakup, but maybe like all things Daft Punk, that will hit me in five years. My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. In the next episode, I will be talking about my experience interviewing Giorgio Moroder, who, along with the Bee Gees and Susie Quattro, is part of the core trifecta that formed me as a musical person. And Giorgio Moroder was a special guest on the final Daft Punk album, so it works as a part two to this episode.
From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lauren Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. Once again, thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.